This is Mike. And this is Drew. Welcome to the Mike and Drew at Mountain View podcast. It is November 9th, 2022, and we want to know who decides a person's identity. But before we get there, what would be a good sample of our day in the life from the last week or so? <laughs> well, I keep forgetting to email out announcements that go in the bulletin. Yes. It's it's happened probably two out of the last four weeks. And, and it's it just it's something you forget. It's, it, it's a little thing that requires a big amount of thinking to make sure you don't miss anything. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you get the email from the uh, from our bulletin rock star, uh, Robin Butler, and, and she's done this to me. It's like, I'm making the bulletin. I haven't seen the announcements. It's and, Saturday morning. It's, and it's like, yeah, that's... Oops. <laughs> we really got to do, like, make a little checklist for all the little things. Yeah, because it's like, uh, sending that email takes me five minutes, but it takes me 10 minutes to figure out what to write in the email to send it. And I'm inevitably going to forget something. And so, finally this week, I decided to make a task in my google calendar that re you know generates every week that reminds me hey send the email every week so i've not done it yet i'll do it right after this but (laughs) yeah the checklist is no joke i've got to make sure to look at it and because again we are our own secretaries and administrative assistants at a small church so that's up to us my weird day in the life was recently uh constructing temporary bollards that go across our wide open parking lot we don't have a driveway it's a wide open parking lot and there's a parsonage here again small church ministry a little different cemetery behind that parsonage so there's traffic uh we've got uh children who live here you know my kids and so i wanted temporary bollards i put them up and then uh you know sunday nights after the church leaves i pick up these five gallon buckets that are half full of concrete with uh vertical posts they're not that heavy 40 pounds each and I've, I've just got to uh, move them back out because uh, I r- bring them in so the parking lot's open on Sunday. And it's a little thing, but it's a, it's a new little thing to remember. And it's yeah. something I'm like, while I'm doing it, I'm going, I'm willing to bet guys at bigger churches don't have this uh, task. You know, they don't have this thing that I'm doing like this every yeah. week. It's just something a little different, unique, nothing bad. It's just funny. Now, the people want to know, at least I want to know, do you, do you make your kids run out and move the bollards? I have not done that yet. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm I'm not going to. I'm just saying not yet. So. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of kids, and you know, especially in a big family, I grew up in a relatively big family. Five kids when I grew up. Olivia and I, we've got five kids. And one thing we try to do is make sure they each can develop in their own way, with their own interests, mm-hmm. and they're not, especially in a ministry family. Mm-hmm. We've got a, they've got a bunch of jeopardies going against them here, and uh, that is sometimes, especially in a religious family, a, a ministry family, and a large family, you tend to see this pressure to be a certain way. Yeah. And we, Olivia and I both, have tried to go out of our way to give our kids, and I'm, I'm sure we're still failing on some way, but in some way, but we try to give them freedom to be who they want to be and who God's called them to be. And you had a very interesting question about this that has caught my attention, and you and I have struggled to figure out which part of the question to focus on. Yeah, and I want to preface this by saying, like, I'm going to put this out there, and I don't know the answer, and I don't think you know the answer either. And so we're just going to, like, put it out there and have a discussion about it. And we actually just launched our new email, if you want to if you have a comment or a question or a 
addition to the discussion, uh, email us at podcasts at mvcc6mile.org. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. We So uh, we welcome it. Matter of fact, we've got a list of topics we could go on with for another year if we wanted to and do one a week, but we are more interested in hearing what's on your heart and mind. So yeah, just uh, send us an email, podcast at mvcc6mile.org. And that MVCC is for Mountain View Church of Christ. So who decides a person's identity? Uh, is that predetermined by God in every way, shape, or form? Do your parents, uh, whether you know them or not, is it genetic? Or, uh, it, you know, do they give that to you? Is it a fate you can adjust? Or is it just going to be what it's going to be? I, I don't know. I don't know where we want to start on this. Um I mean, I can kind of give my own personal story a little bit. Sure. Um, obviously, my name was given to me. My parents named me. Yes. I'm named after my father, so I'm actually a junior. So it's Philip Andrew Allgate Jr. My dad's name is Philip Andrew Allgate. I guess he's senior. I don't know if that's technically on his driver's license. So I, I know where that comes from. It has meaning. Mm. And, you know, I kind of thought, well, you know, I've always gone by Drew. And I was like, well, you know should I go by something else? Should I go by Andrew? And that was kind of something that I thought, I thought about, but it was like, nah, I'm, I'm fine with Drew. I, you know, I, I didn't really care. And so that's, that's one aspect of my identity, the way, the way I'm labeled, the, what I'm called. But then like, there's my natural talents, um, that I also didn't choose that those were given to me by God and by genetics. Um, I didn't really decide to be the creative you know, creative in the way that I'm creative. And I didn't decide to be logical in the way that I'm logical and analytical. Those just kind of, those gifts, those natural gifts and strengths were given to me by God. Um, at the same time, I've leaned into certain aspects of my identity. Um, I was a Rubik's Cube kid, as you recently learned. Yes, um, I can I solve the Rubik's Cube. You and, still can. Yeah. In middle school, that was like the thing I was about. I always had one in my backpack, and it was a little weird. I was a weird kid. I I did the Rubik's Cube, and that was my thing. I got really excited when I saw a Rubik's Cube on TV, and I pointed it out. I said, look, look, you know, it's this weird thing that I was, but that was my identity. I was the Rubik's Cube mm. kid at school. At the same time, there's some things that I still consider myself to be. I'm a, I'm a big fan of movies. And that's, that's kind of part of my identity too. And so those, I don't think those are things that were given to me. I think those are things that I discovered and kind of made my own and made, made me. Um, so yeah, um, that's kind of where I'm coming from. I see these two aspects of things that were given to me, things that I didn't decide. And then things that I have decided to go ahead and pursue and make my identity. And so I'm where, obviously those two things are real but where do we draw the line? How does one figure out who they are um, while like staying true to who they were, I guess? I don't know. Sure. Yeah, right. Because this conversation, this is exactly an intersection where we can go many different ways. Uh, do we go all the way into talking about... Um, this idea of names and, and uh, you know destiny <clears throat> and history and things like this, or do we merge into other topics 
you know, about those who, for example, desire to actually physically transition into another gender and that level of identity mm-hmm. at crisis. Or like in my case, similar to you, my name's given to me. Mine was not because of a family member, but because of its definition. Uh, My parents wanted to give me this name to say, hey, you are dedicated to the Lord's work. Michael Levi, you know, you are are sent from God for the Lord's work kind of thing. And they tell me, hey, you know, you're dedicated at birth for ministry and, and things like this that I go are a part of that are a part of my identity. And then I grow up in a family that's ministry oriented. And so naturally, I want to run away from that because <laughs> I don't like I, I get claustrophobic. I don't want people telling me who I'm going to become. And yet in certain ways, I end up gravitating back towards this, uh, like you say, what, what might be skills and gifts that God put in me regardless of what my family had to say about it or what they named me. But yet you wonder, you look in the Bible, and you see some names that correlate with somebody's role, and you say, well, were they assigned those names because people saw these characteristics in them, or were they given these names from birth because there was just this sense that this is who they would become? And I I would say as a kid, you talk about Rubik's Cube. For me, I— there was really two things I was identified with earlier on. It was trivia. So I, I, I tried to be the one that knew everything. Did you, did you watch a lot of Jeopardy as a kid? No, I didn't, but I should have. <laughs> uh, only when I was with my great-grandparents. Uh, then I would watch uh, Wheel of Fortune Jeopardy. and Jeopardy yeah. all the time. But I just felt the pressure. I was the oldest in a homeschool family surrounded by other families who had different school choices, and we felt the pressure to prove we were as smart as the kids that went mm. to either Christian school or public school. And so I always felt the need to know everything. Well, that that will get old, obviously, after a while, right? The <laughs> arrogance comes across and everybody gets tired of you. Next, I was the hardest worker. About Around 11 to 12, something clicked. And in addition to having an avid hunger for facts, I had this avid hunger to be the hardest worker, the one that would work past everybody else and not run out of energy. So those two things uh, really were things that I found my identity in. And if you ever questioned either of those things, I felt like you'd personally just belittled me down to nothing. Instead of taking it as good ribbing, uh, Mm -hmm. a sense of good humor, or some competition, I'm like, this is my identity. And and obviously that was a problem. But you're, uh, you're, you're looking now, that's me as a millennial, right, who's been, who was born in uh, the late 80s, and I am not told, I'm not born into a family of, say, brick masons, and my grandfather, my great-grandfather, it's not like that. Neither you or I were necessarily born into generational households that I'm aware of, or if if somebody in our past did something, everybody else maybe did something a little different. I wasn't born into a family um, of preachers. I have a grandpa who's a minister, and my dad who is a minister, but it wasn't like a—it wasn't several generations of people— dedicated to ministry. So I didn't get my identity from that. I, uh, I just... There wasn't like an expectation. No, there wasn't. And I've been asked that before. You know, hey, were, were you told you'd be a preacher? No, I wasn't. I think I was encouraged to consider it, but I never mm-hmm. felt that pressure to be a preacher from my family. There was some story and narrative about it, but never... It wasn't very strong. Uh, I, I was uh, recently reading... Uh, Barner Research had posted an article January 5th, 2022 of this year, revealing that Gen Z, so that's those born between 1995 and 2010, right now they find more identity in their gifts and talents rather than their name. 
All right. They say younger generations are significantly more likely than older counterparts to agree that they define themselves by their gifts and talents when introducing themselves to others. So how, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I agree with that. The other one, um, gifts, talents, and experiences, I think, is the, is the yes the thing that goes on top of that. Because, I mean, my name is like, it's whatever. Because there's so many people that share my name. There's a lot of people named Drew, and we're all a little bit different, and it's it's whatever. It's like Jones. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's everywhere. Yeah. Um, right. But it, the things that I've experienced in my past, they immediately have like an association with them. So like, my parents are divorced. Boom. There's like something that goes along with that, whether that's like trauma. I don't think I'm traumatized by that, but there's there's levels of like, oh, I, I identify with you because I'm also, I've also been through that experience. I, and I often if, reference being homeschooled because mm-hmm. it's unique. And in some cases, it it is traumatizing. <laughs> it is sometimes, you know, because you stand out and like you say, like going through divorce, there's, there's, baggage attached to uh, homeschooling or or divorce where it's like you expect some things to be different and there's different narratives that go along with these things and you're like I I need to tell you who I am and I'm attached to this experience and yet here I am uh, maybe not being somebody you expect me to be and that's you know I think that's a part of the conversation is uh, skills skills and talents but like you say experiences because each of us have different experiences, mm-hmm. and so it makes us even more unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to. If we're kind of done talking about this, I want to shift the shift the conversation. Um, so, as we're talking about identity, I think we need to bring up social media, because a lot of Gen Z's personality and identity revolves around social media, and they have their their separate online identity that may be completely different than their real life identity. And so uh, I, I was thinking about this idea of personal branding. Okay, so we have this. Let's you know, who's a celebrity that we want to talk about? Um, uh, I, I don't know right now. There, <laughs> you, you mention it, uh, um, Elon Musk. There you go. Okay, so Elon Musk is a guy, and he is his identity is at his very core who he is when no one's around. So that's that's one aspect of it. Something that may be completely different is who he is around his family and personal friends. And that's completely different than maybe what his absolute core is. And then different than those two is his online personality, what he tweets, what he um, shows to the the news, you know. And those are completely different things. And that used to be just for celebrities. But now because of social, social media, it has turned into that like I have my own personal brand that I what I post on Facebook, what I post on Twitter. That is different than... Um, that's curated and it's different than what I share with my close friends and family. And so, and that's happened with little kids. And so taking that a step further then, little kids feel like that online identity, that personal brand is the most real. And so that's why we have, so we have games like Fortnite and Roblox and people pay real money to get, fake things that make them look different in the games. Right. I had an article. I think Fortnite, it's a free game. You can download it right now and play. I've played it before. It's pretty fun. But they made, let's see, in its first two years, it made $9 billion because kids want to look cool. Right. And in this game, Roblox, you are not 
limited to one world. The the only consistent thing about Roblox, because my kids have it, is is uh, the people. And so you, you can uh, go into a world where you're racing cars and in another world you're surviving natural mm -hmm. disasters. Another one you're running away from zombies. But you they each have their tag, like you say, their name, their handle, and then they gain reputations. Mm -hmm. You know, like they you learn who they are and their nuances. And my kids, you know, they invited me to play recently and use one of their Roblox characters. And it was funny that uh, as I'm playing, I'm playing arcade style, so it doesn't matter, right? I'm just mm -hmm. going to take my character, and I'm, like, pushing other characters off of buildings. I'm just having fun. And one of my kids is like, stop, that's my name. That's my name. Yeah, you're using my tied to that name. Yeah, my character, to, and it struck me to go, okay, hold on, this is different from the world of arcade that I'm even used to, mm -hmm. because I didn't grow up with game consoles so much as I played some basic PC games that were not online. You just, mm -hmm. you drove cars around, you, you flew planes, whatever. Well, this is different. There is, uh, like you're saying, this identity they need to maintain. Mm -hmm. And I, it doesn't bother me, to be honest. I think it's fine and it's fun, uh, but it's different. And there is something to that. You said even more real. And in some ways, uh, I understand that having especially now, having gone through what everybody went through for the last couple years, yep. the outside world isn't really nice and is, uh, uh, is very, uh, it's, it's less predictable than, say, Roblox. Yeah, because there's like very specific written rules that go with being online. Right. Whereas the real world is kind of messy. And online's messy too, but like in a different way. It's, I don't know. I don't know how to ma to navigate. It's crazy. Well, I, I think, as always, you're, you're going to come back to a point in this discussion where you're talking about true identity yep. and what does God care about? Because w there's so many facets of identity we could explore, whether it's online or, or whether it is uh, personas that we bring to a workplace. Mm-hmm. You're going to find different people with different I, things they identify with in the workplace or when you go visit family here in the next couple months for holidays. You know, we're, we're at November here getting ready for the onslaught of family gatherings. <laughs> and you know there's certain things you don't say around certain family members. Right. And you don't even act or pretend. You just go, okay, I'm going to avoid this or that uh, subject or this or that uh, attitude just to keep the peace. And you start to realize, regardless of the generation, uh, we do f gravitate towards different things we identify with in ourselves around different groups of people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we should bring it down to kind of true identity. Um, I just looked up Bible verses about identity. Okay. And I realized the key we're looking for here is phrases like, you are blank. Because it's it's, you know... The, the writer or the Lord speaking to his audience, which we can normally identify with when it comes to reading the Bible. So the one I wanted to point out first, I don't know where to go. First Peter 2, 9, but you are, there it is, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. So it's all these things that kind of elevate the audience. But, these all of these things come with responsibility 
And so it goes on to say that you may proclaim the ex excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So the identity comes with responsibility. Right. Um, a chosen race is, is great. It's elevated, but it's, it's for a purpose. You're chosen to do something. Um, a royal priesthood. Priests have jobs, and they, they work very hard. A holy nation. Again, elevated, but holy for a purpose. Um, a people for his own possession. Again, same thing. So we have this idea of, okay, our, our identity comes with, the, the best version of ourselves selves comes with um, responsibilities. We can't just like be a thing and then just kind of like sit and do nothing with it. So then to take that very clear, very clear expectation of our identity and tie it back into your initial question, and that is, uh, you know, who controls that identity? Mm -hmm. So did God force us into this holy priesthood, or is that something we chose through Jesus Christ? Because I would say that we chose Jesus Christ, you know, he chooses us and calls us, and then we've got to accept or reject him. And so when we accepted that free gift of salvation and are adopted into this eternal family, into this sonship, into this holy priesthood, then we have now uh, accepted a new type of destiny for us. So, yeah. uh, you know, now that's me. I, I, how, how would you take that, this, this new identity? Is that something you had any control over? I don't think so. I mean, well, okay. Right. That's, that's where it's straight. It's like, <laughs> uh, yes, yes and no. Yes and no. Yes, in that, like, I did choose it, but I don't think when I chose it. I mean, I was five when I, you know, accepted Christ. Um, oh, I don't think when I chose it that I recognized the responsibility that came with it. Right, right. And even when I decided to go into ministry, I don't think I recognized the weight of that responsibility. Oh, good grief, no. Right, <laughs> right. So that, in one sense, you choose Jesus Christ and being a part of that holy priesthood, even if it's at a young age, like me as well. I have a very similar testimony in that end, and also this dichotomy of uh, of being saved and then also being surrendered mm -hmm. later to ministry, and that, that, that whole separate faith journey that is still unpredictable to this day. But back to the, the choosing of a destiny, in one sense— if my ultimate destiny is to be like Jesus Christ, then everything else in between really doesn't matter in the sense of what I do to look like Jesus Christ. Right. As long as we're continually working towards that end goal. Right. So were we made to be, were you and I made from the, from the time we were born, were we made to be pastors all of our lives? I don't think that's necessarily how it works, but if being in the ministry in a pastoral type role kept us in line with being conformed to the image of Christ, mm -hmm. then I would say yes. In that sense, we have some control over our destiny, but in a more real sense— when we chose Jesus Christ, he then became our destiny because he's now our home in eternity. Now, I know that's, you know, I, I'd be, I, this is a good chance to use that email, right? So if you're listening to this and you're like, these guys need some help with their theology <laughs> and soteriology and ecclesiology and all the ologies, send us an email. We're, we're more than happy to talk about that. But this is a sticky one. And I don't know if either of us can come to a solid answer, but yeah, there's some worthy things. And like you said, what'd you say the phrase? You are, right? Yeah. You look for that in the Bible, and that gets you right where you need to be. Yeah, I'm sure you have some. 
You know I do. Uh, yeah. 2 Corinthians 5.17 <laughs> says, If anyone is in Christ, and, and here you go, this kind of goes along with what you were saying earlier, instead of you are, it says he is. So, same same right, thing. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Mm. And so to me, that's a part of that identity. My identity, my core identity, if everything else is stripped away, because sometimes it is. Mm-hmm then my core identity is as a new creation in Christ. So come hell or high water, come uh, recession or inflation, whatever, whatever's going to come pandemic or, or political upheaval, whatever happens, my core identity is I'm a new creation in Christ. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's... I, if you're listening to this, I want to encourage you to kind of think about your identity and... Think about what really matters, you know? Um, I think I used this verse last week, but the one about um, casting off the things that hinder and the sin that so easily entangles. That's uh, Hebrews something, something. 12, 1 and 2. There it is, yep. And, you know, so in other words, get rid of the stuff that doesn't matter and press on toward the goal, you know? Yeah, it, it that that's huge because the world wants to throw a bunch of identities at us and I got to tell you, even coming from a, a very, what I would call a religious Christian family, my upbringing and my whole concentric circles of fellowship that just, as far as you go out, I'm surrounded by a bunch of good people. There's still confusion there. Even people in the church want to throw identities on you, yeah. you know? And in a good way, uh, I've got family members that, hey, hey, you remind me of your grandpa, right? My grandpa's a mm-hmm. preacher, and they look up to him, and they want to encourage me, I think, and say, hey, boy, you, when you do this, it reminds me of your grandpa, or this look reminds me of your grandpa. And I can look at the pictures, I can listen to the audio, and I go, nope, that's not, <laughs> I don't. But but I know they're trying to encourage me, but on, on an, in another sense, if I'm not careful, I could get frustrated because they're trying to throw an idea identity on me mm. that I don't identify with. Right. And I have to, at some point, I- interpret it in a positive light, if, if anybody does this, and, and say, hey, they're trying to encourage me. They they admire this person and respect this person. They're saying, I remind them of that, but I'm afraid sometimes we can fall into the trap of people's expectations and what they want us to be identified with. Yeah, and that's why it's so important to find the something solid to place your identity yes. on. Yes. Um, and for Christians, obviously, that's Christ. But for those who aren't Christian, I think it's still important to find that, that solid thing because it can't be based on your feelings because my feelings change all the time. Yes. And it can't be based on other people's view of you because that changes all the time. It does. And if we're looking at church ministry in general, if this isn't just small church. I've seen this in all churches. But to testify from a small church perspective, it is not uncommon at the at here at Mountain View or any church I've ever served at, I will inevitably, in the first few months, I'll be told of a minister who I remind people of here. <laughs> you know, they'll say, oh, you do visitations like this minister, or oh, your preaching reminds me of so-and-so. And then there is this type they're going to cast me as sometimes. Right, Not right. all. It just it happens, and they will uh, give me gifts that they knew this other minister liked. <laughs> and, you know, they'll, they'll give me quotes or things that this other minister always used to like to have because they've copy and pasted an identity 
they're familiar with. Right. And they want, they love me and want me to become familiar to them. So they, in their mind, it's easier just to kind of identify me with this other minister. And after about a year, they realize I'm not going to fit anybody's mold. You're not going to fit anybody's mold. And you just have to live out that identity. And that only works if, like you say, you've got this core identity and you're okay with the fact that people might not get you for a little bit. Right. But, you know, I, I, I spend a lot of time on social media and TikTok and all these things. And it's so tough for creators to find that because they're pandering to an audience, literally. Like, that is their income. And so, I, I guess this is way off topic. It doesn't matter that not much. Not necessarily. <laughs> no, not necessarily, because you, you are looking at a world of online content where everybody wants to be unique to a certain degree, but relatable and familiar enough that people want to click on these things. Right. And it, and the thing is, everyone's a content creator now. Yes. I mean, yes. we're literally sitting here creating content. That's what we're doing. My kids both want to start their own YouTube channels. So we recorded a few videos of them teaching school, put them online. Not a whole lot happened and that's fine, but yeah. that's, we're almost in a, it's almost an echo chamber of creativity and that's not wrong. But like you say, if you want to, if you want that to be monetized, you want to actually make a living off of it. I can't imagine the pressure, because yeah, this, what we're doing, is just a an outreach and a ministry of a church. Yeah, we're not making money on this right now. So we're, I don't we, know if we ever will. Well, wait, can we talk to the elders about that? Do they? Uh, if you know of a sponsorship, <laughs> let us know, and we'll have to bring it to the elders. Yeah, and see. But I think, yeah, we. At least to cover the cost of like having the podcast out there. Would Taco Bell cater to us, you think? No. We're too Come small. On. Okay, fine. No, but that, that identity is huge <laughs> because we live in a world that for so long, this uh, the past few generations have really prioritized and craved uniqueness. Now what we're seeing is a gravitational pullback towards community. Mm. We got more and more, and if we're talking about identity it's less about being identified as, in my case, saying, I am Mike Jones. I'm an original. And it's not about me saying, I'm a Jones, right? You used to hear that. Oh, you're mm-hmm. a Jones, so you're not going to do that. Yeah. Okay? You know, if you're no, no, if you're a Jones, you're not going to steal, you know, or whatever. Um, well, now it's almost uh, become these communities are either college, certain colleges. You really want to identify with that. A region, you know, Appalachian, Midwestern. Um, yeah, I'm from the South. I'm from the South, right? So there's different there's different identities that are important to people. So I, I I'd like to hear what identity is important to you, and you know, right now, uh, I'd want to say my most important identity is that I'm a follower of Christ. Mm-hmm. But if I'm being honest and I'm just you know shooting from the hip, usually at this point I'm saying I'm a minister at Mountain View. If I if I have three seconds, somebody wants to know who I am. I might give them, you know, my name's Mike, I'm a minister at Mountain View. Yeah. Because I'm not from here, so I can't say, hey, my name's Mike, and, you know, I had the, uh, I'm related to the Ralstons and Sweeney's. You know, I, yeah. I can't do that. Right. And you can't do that here either. Yeah, I guess when I when I tell people who I am, I think it's where I'm from, um, maybe the fact that I'm a husband, um, and maybe where I graduated from. I think those are probably the main three things other than of course being a Christian, being a follower of Christ. Yeah. It, it, it is interesting just to see what you're, what you're going to introduce 
of yourself. And some of that depends on, of course, the audience and who you're talking uh, absolutely. to, what they want to know. Because if I tell people, my name is Mike Jones and I grew up in Wichita, Kansas, I'm immediately like, that's the most boring, yep. <laughs> bland introduction in the world. But anyway, um, any other thoughts coming out of this identity? Um, I don't do, think so. I think who decides can... a person's identity? And, um, you know, in one sense, if you're really talking about the sovereignty of God, right? So from our perspective as believers, you're, you're asking about, you know, who decides a person's identity. And, you know, we can read, you know, you know, the popular passage, you know, before I formed you, yep. I knew you, right? Psalm 139, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Psalm 139, 13 through 14. But that still, that, that tells us we're wonderfully and fearfully made, but that doesn't mean God already determined and caused everything we're going to do. I believe it means we are made in such a way to be able to serve him but we still have to choose whether or not we're going to do that. Right, and that whether or not to like orient our lives around, because um, we, we really have the option and the free will to orient our lives around whatever we want. And that's a huge point. Yeah. So if I never moved away from Wichita, Kansas, where my family is, then and, and by default, a lot of my identity would be oriented around that family circle mm-hmm. and what they do. However, because God opened up opportunities for me to serve elsewhere, I could identify for a season with a Bible camp in Tennessee and a Bible college, which we both attended, right? Yeah. Johnson University, identify with that. And then later, as all these identities kind of faded into the rearview mirror, I'm just identified more as a minister because people in Virginia don't care about my family in Kansas. Right. And people in Texas don't care about Johnson University. And all, all these identities, it depends on where you are. So for me, most of my identity right now is just being a minister. And like you say, being a husband, being a father, those kind of all rise to the surface. And I, I don't regret that. I, yeah. I think those are, that's good. It helps me refine because you talked about orienting around an identity. That's easy for someone like me to do. <laughs> and I think it's easy for anyone to do. I, I think it is. And and it, this process in our life calling and serving at this church continues to help me uh, be refined enough by God that my core identities keep rising to the surface and don't get drowned out by yeah. all the other stuff. So. Yeah. I feel like I... I used to have the problem of where I'd orient my identity around a fandom of a thing, you know, Marvel movies or superheroes or music. And so kind of falling out of love with some of those things um, has kind of forced me to think about where I'm at, who I am, what's really important. So, yeah, that's really all I got. I don't I don't have any more notes. No, that's great. <laughs> I, I think at the end of the day, you know, the core identity we all share is that uh, we are created by God. Yeah. Whether you recognize that or not, I understand there's different beliefs that might be tuning into this podcast or having clicked on this podcast. You don't tune into a podcast, right? This, I, can you tune as into a long podcast? as I have been consuming content. I don't think I've ever tuned into anything. Fine. Okay. So if you're listening to this podcast, I would say, I'm just telling you my belief and I believe Drew's belief is the core identity out of all this is that we're created by God and that uh, in, in our case, both of us have been saved by him as well. So those 
those are the things we hold on to and we grow from. And even when the world shakes around us, trends change, uh, things we were once identified with crumble uh, or fade into the past, we still find our identity in Christ is what's going to take us into tomorrow, and we rest satisfied in that. Yeah. All right. Well, um, this has been Mike. And Drew. And you have been listening to the Mike and Drew at Mountain View podcast. That's such a mouthful. Yeah, we'll we'll work on that. <laughs> Eat your vegetables. Eat your vegetables. <laughs>